You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Romil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Continuing our What If series here at Locked On Heat, looking at some of the pivotal moments in franchise history and asking that question that will always drive fans crazy, what if? What could have happened if things had gone differently? And this one, I know, really stands out for a lot of fans because in recent history, back in 2015, a huge question that will always hang over this franchise and the fan base in particular, what if the Miami Heat had drafted Devin Booker over Justice Winslow. Oh, boy. I know a lot of people are upset about it because, well, Booker's turned into an Olympic gold medalist, a all-star, uh, right on the cusp of winning a championship this past season with the Phoenix Suns. But at the time, and I'll make a strong case for this, Justice Winslow was the right choice. Everybody was looking for the next Draymond Green. The Golden State Warriors had just won their championship, a big part of which was because they had unlocked the potential of that team with their incredible shooting, and they were looking for just the right player who could help them make passes, defend at a high level, switch one through five. That wasn't as big a priority. And so Draymond was something that was the model for the next type of player. He changed and revolutionized the game in a lot of ways, similarly to what Chris Bosh had done during the Big Three era as far as the idea of a stretch big, and, and a stretch big that could you know, defend at a high level too. Now Draymond was one of those tweeners that wouldn't even have made the league back in 2000, oh, I don't know, 2000, let's say. They, he, you wouldn't have had a guy like Draymond on the roster because he was too small. He was undersized. He didn't have a, quite a defined role. But now everybody was looking for somebody like that. And what happens? Well, you've got this player in Duke who fits that, mole, that role exactly. He's a switchable defender, long, lanky, can dribble, initiate offense, more of a point guard than a small forward, but could handle the role completely. He could handle any role on the floor. You think back to Justice's actual rookie year where he wound up playing one through five at some point, and I think that was exactly the goal for what his role was supposed to be, and that was why he was selected 10th overall because he was supposed to be a top five pick. I look back at a number of mock drafts for the 2015 draft, and let me tell you, there was not a single one of them that had justice outside of the top five. Uh, in fact, and at the 10th at the pick, Miami was supposed to take anywhere from Frank Kaminsky to Stanley Johnson or Trey Lyles, none of which have really turned out to be solid NBA players. Lyles maybe with the strongest case, but overall, none of them really panning out the way that a lot of people thought they might. Uh, and, and Winslow, unfortunately, falling into that same category. But at least there were expectations there for what he could provide. There were flashes, and he never quite lived up to it, but, you know, the drafts played out very differently than a lot of people thought it would, with Chris Taps-Brazingis going early on to the New York Knicks, Mario Hazonia going to the Orlando Magic, and then from that point forward, everything changed. No one was quite sure whether or not there was a problem with Winslow, a hitch in a shot. Maybe they just didn't like his ability to, I don't know, stretch the floor. And next thing you know, he slides a little bit. And there were shades of Karan Butler for the Miami Heat. They saw a player who they thought, you know, like Karan, had won a championship, uh, they thought he could be able to, you know, contribute right away the way Karan had in 2002. Uh, they saw him sliding and they said, oh, this is something we have to be able to to pull the trigger on. And they did. And they wound up selecting 
Winslow with the 10th overall pick. Of course, it never quite worked out that way. Unfortunately, let's say they go back a little bit differently. Let's say the, the draft doesn't play out the way it does with Przingis and, and Hazonia going as early as they did. And Miami on draft night recalls a pre-draft interview where Devin Booker spoke so highly about meeting with Pat Riley, about learning from Dwayne Wade. Uh, you know, Booker, very pro professional for a young 18-year-old. And look, viewed at that point in time as a one-dimensional scorer. I mean, I think for all the knock that you're going to get on Tyler Hero, the reality is that, you know, Booker was getting a lot of that himself. Nobody viewed him as a top 10 pick at that point in time. So it would have been viewed on draft night as a reach. Although there was a need for it, maybe. But I just, it's interesting to see how now we can rewrite history and say that he was the obvious choice when no one, no one had Booker pegged as a top 10 player, which is why the draft is such an impossible science. But in any case, on draft night, Riley recalling that conversation and thinking to himself, you know, Dwayne is getting older and much more realistic interpretation of their superstar on that franchise. Instead, with a 10th pick of selecting Justice Winslow, who winds up going 8th or ninth, then you wind up selecting him at the 10th pick. You take your future shooting guard and Devin Booker. In an alternate universe, Justice Winslow gets drafted by the Charlotte Hornets instead of Frank Kaminsky, and Miami takes Booker. Now, later on that night, with Miami's second pick at the number 40 spot, they still select Josh Richardson, a player who they saw with a lot of potential, had played some point guard, was viewed as a guy who could defend at multiple levels at the guard position, not necessarily as switchable, but it was a good complement to what they thought they were getting with Justice Winslow, a guy who they viewed as the potential replacement for Dwayne Wade, a role that Josh actually wound up taking on. But, you know, instead, in this scenario, they select Devin Booker and they say, let's get another guy on there to provide a little bit more depth, a guy who can push Book a little bit. And I think that's the right call. It's never You can never have too much... Well, that's not entirely true. You can't have a glut at position, at a certain position. But I think in this case, Booker and Richardson can complement each other. I mean, maybe it was unrealistic to view Richardson as a potential point guard or a guy who can handle the ball. But that was the role he played in Tennessee. You only can do what you can. Maybe you can pigeonhole him. Maybe you can position him in a way where he can maximize abilities he hasn't really quite demonstrated. It's it's tough to tell. Again, the draft is an exact science. You can never be sure exactly what you're getting out of a position. But in any case, you wind up selecting Josh Richardson with the 40th overall pick. And then an undrafted player that kind of stands out, instead of Briante Weber, who was brought in as that point guard, then you take a guy named Royce O'Neal, who is your wing defender, fills in some of the gap that you don't wind up filling because you don't draft Justice Winslow, and he winds up joining your summer league team in Orlando. He winds up joining the G League team in Sioux Falls. He winds up becoming the complementary wing player that can defend in multiple positions, stretching the floor. He gets pushed in a certain way, and now all of a sudden you have a much more different roster in 2015 that you do, and I'm sorry, yeah, in 2015 that you actually wound up having. You know, you don't have Justice Winslow. You still have Dwayne Wade there. You have Chris Bosh uh, returning to full health. You've got a full season now of Goran Dragic after he learns to play alongside Dwayne Wade. It wasn't quite the rush job after acquiring him at the February trade deadline and then, of course, losing Chris Bosh immediately afterwards. This is a team now that has Goran starting alongside Dwayne, has Chris Bosh, and a young explosive center named Hassan Whiteside, who's looking for an opportunity to prove that he belongs in the league. And, of course, you add the dynamic scoring potential 
of Devin Booker to that mix, as long with the defensive versatility of O'Neal and Richardson, I think that's a pretty good roster. You still have Lou Aldang there. You've got Amare Stoudemire, who's a little bit older of a veteran. Do you bring in a guy like Tyler Johnson? Does he wind up getting the kind of developmental minutes that he winds up expecting to when you already have Booker and Richardson on the roster? Probably not. So that's another interesting what if there. Mario Chalmers, a little bit older. He's still on the roster, although, of course, he winds up getting traded shortly into that season. So that winds up being one of the perhaps a big mistake in Heat history. But I'll talk a little bit about what happens next once you already have Devin Booker on the roster, how the 2016 season shapes up a little bit differently. That's worth exploring. But first, let me tell you again about a product that we've recently been talking about here on the network, which is called Sweatblock. If you don't know about it, do a little research. I think it'll be worth your time. If you or somebody you know has a problem with sweating and you want to do something about it, then let me tell you, Sweatblock is the product for you. Doctor created, doctor recommended. It's been selling well on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 mostly positive reviews. Can't speak enough about it. I've got a friend of mine who tried it. He's a teacher. He was a little concerned about some profuse sweating, and he wanted to do something about it, and he bought Sweatblock. It has paid off dividends right away. Now it's a completely different ballgame with a seat with a new... Uh, school year starting off. He's got renewed intensity. He's confident. He doesn't have to change shirts in the middle of the game. No more worrying about whether or not something somebody's you know making fun of him or what uh, some of the students are thinking about it. You know, it can happen. It's it can be problematic. And if you want to do something about it, then Sweatblock is a product for you. So best of all, right now, if you go to Sweatblock.com. Uh, you can wind up saving a lot of money, and if you use the promo code Locked On, you can also buy this product at Amazon or at CVS. But you can get twenty percent off if you visit Sweatblock.com and use the promo code Locked On today. When hiring gets hard, let me tell you, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. You attract, interview, and hire all on the same site. That's what makes it so convenient. You can't just hope that your perfect candidate will find you, but you instead you use Indeed's hiring tools to help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, you can choose from 135 skills tests to make sure that you're finding the right applicants the people with the skills that you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. I've been there. I know how difficult it is to find the right candidate. Indeed saved me so much time and my company so much money. I just found the right people. In fact, I was able to use Indeed's multiple tools to, again, provide those skill assessments, but also to conduct in interviews all online. So much more convenient. You don't have to worry about scheduling or anything like that. It's so much simpler now. And if you go today, you get a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, that's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions do apply. One of the biggest questions in Miami Heat franchise history what if they had selected Devin Booker instead of Justice Winslow back in 2015? Uh, just last season, last just last season, the Orlando bubble, after having lost to the Phoenix Suns in one of the eight seeding games prior to the start of the playoffs, Eric Spolstra spoke so highly about Devin Booker. We really liked him, he said. I think everybody knew that. We worked him out, had a really good workout, had a meeting, had lunch with him. 
Been a fan of his since he was in college, but his game has grown. The fit with Monty, that's Monty Williams, the head coach over in Phoenix, has really helped. But nothing has quite has helped as much as having a player like Chris Paul join that roster and to help guide him. And so in year one, the 2015-2016 season, Devin Booker is a fixture on the bench. His defense improves, but he's mostly a reserve. He enjoyed 51 starts as a rookie in Phoenix, but coming off the bench, he learns the game differently. He's not rushed. He's not expected to be a star right away. Even though he was a lottery pick, you can bring him along slowly, differently. He watches firsthand what it's like to be a star, seeing Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh carry this team as a team star and seeing a consummate professional in Goran Dragic. Right alongside Rook 2, Josh Richardson, Rook 3 potentially in Royce O'Neal. You can see so much coming off the bench. It's a point I've made a lot. I've talked to so many players about how they just view the game differently when they're hurt. You know, you can see it flow differently. You can see where players have to be. You can incorporate that same information and apply it to yourself the next time you're actively in there. If there's any benefit of getting hurt and missing time, it's usually that, is that you can see the game a little differently. And in the case of Booker, no need to be rushed out onto the floor. No need to carry a bad Phoenix team, the Phoenix team that wound up winning no more than 34 games over the first five seasons of his career. Think about that. A lot of losing Devin Booker did over the first few years of his career, a lot differently than what would have happened in Miami. Instead, again, he sees greatness. He sees, witnesses firsthand what it's like to be a star, how fragile it all is when Chris Bosh eventually winds up getting hurt. But he sees greatness in the playoffs when Dwayne Wade carries them in big series over Charlotte and Toronto. I think it winds up being a very different season. I don't think either Justice or Richardson wound up having much of an impact on the overall win-loss record in 2015-16. They all contributed at some point. Josh particularly, I want to say that while Winslow was much more of a versatile do-it-yourself player that was coming off the bench, starting on occasion, and then you know just doing what he needed to do, Richardson, towards the tail end of that season, came in with some real hot shooting that felt much more impactful than what Justice was doing. Maybe I'm misremembering. I can't recall exactly every game back in the 2015-16 season, but I remember thinking that Josh's minutes later in the season, after he had had some time in Sioux Falls, and of course after he was notoriously pushed by Eric Spolster to develop into a superstar player, that he wound up becoming much more impactful. But again, he was shooting something like 47%, almost 50% as a rookie in limited opportunities uh, with Miami. But maybe he doesn't necessarily need to become that shooter because you've got Booker there. But it would have been interesting to see how Book would have played off against a guy like Richardson, who's much more known for his defensive versatility and everything else. Maybe he would have harassed Booker a little bit. Maybe Booker's offense takes a different leap. It's just those are very, very cool possibilities there. But for for Book, I think it's so important to kind of see that development taking a different angle because so many people question early on in his career empty stat production, right? Uh, That he was just putting up big numbers on losing teams, that he wasn't quite an all-star level player because he couldn't carry them to any sort of meaningful victories. Some some of the same type of arguments that were used against Chris Bosh during his Toronto era, which is the reason why he wound up leaving there. But, you know, in Booker's case now, he's playing alongside Chris Bosh. He's had, I'm sorry, Chris Paul. And he's had a taste of winning, and he's gone all the way to the NBA Finals. I'm curious to see how the rest of his career plays out. But in this scenario, he's here in Miami. 
a team with Dwayne Wade, a team with an established culture already with Pat Riley upstairs, with Eric Spolster guiding this team. They've already you know, outlived and outgrown the 2010 to 2014 Big Three era. There's a championship there. There's a proven culture. I think it's different. For him to come in here and go, okay, this is this is what it means to be a professional. He was waiting for these opportunities, which is why I think Paul had such a positive impact in Phoenix when he joined this past season. He was able to transform a young team desperate for something, for anything tangible, for some progress. And he was able to kind of build off of that. And I think he doesn't need to build off of that in Miami because that's already established. But instead, he just gets to grow slowly and learn and develop and continue to grow his game. Uh, what happens in year two? Well, let's say the 2016 season plays out mostly the way it did. They re-sign Hassan Whiteside because, well, there's still hope that he'll be there to complement uh, uh, Devin Booker and the rest of that roster. Luol Deng winds up taking that huge deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, shout out Mitch Kupchak. In any case, Dwayne. I think Dwayne still leaves. Uh, one of the things that kind of stood out to me in that pre-draft interview that Booker spoke about uh, learning from Dwayne is that he mentioned that Pat explained that Dwayne is getting older. And that is, those are the kind of things that you wonder whether or not Pat might have been pushing too hard. The same way he challenged LeBron, asking him if he had the guts. He kind of did the same thing in, in Dwayne's case. He had been doing it for years. You know, Dwayne, are you going to lose a weight? Are you going to be tired of this rehab? Are you going to be tired of this maintenance program? There were a lot of thinly veiled shots throughout the years and I think in 2016 it really just built to a head you know that you're prioritizing the re-signing of Hassan Whiteside over you as your, your your future star because he's a different position because he provides some block shots and defense at a level that maybe you know not many players in the league could all of that has to stick in his craw I mean maybe even the treatment of Chris Bosh impacted Dwayne to some degree and and so I think he still leaves, even with Booker on the roster. Um, you know, I think the disrespect was real. I think the disrespect was still there. It would have been there anyway with Devin Booker on the lineup. So, if anything, drafting him might have pushed him out even further because now you say, oh, you already got my replacement on this roster when I think of myself still as a star. And that's that's the question here, or that's the challenge for older players. It's how soon can they accept wanting to be a secondary player. How soon can they accept that their role is changing and that they're no longer quite the star? I mean, you think about what he did in Chicago alongside uh, an older Rajon Rondo and alongside Jimmy Butler, you know, branding themselves as the three alphas, somewhat ridiculously. Uh, you know, he was not ready to embrace a, a transition in his career. He wasn't ready to embrace a different role. He was not quite the star he had once been and not until he was in Cleveland and no longer really re ready to to push the team the way he thought he could or to contribute the way he thought he could and to just go through that really grim season. It just it was very different for him. And so I, I think 2016 then winds up playing very differently to some degree. I mean, now you've got Devin Booker on the roster. He gets thrust into that starting lineup. And remember, those expectations were on Richardson and Justice Winslow. Now instead, you know, who, who what kind of position does Justice play? Justice is going to be your starter at the three, and he was for the first 16, 18 games of the season until he winds up dislocating his shoulder. So you never have to consider that possibility because, unfortunately, Justice wound up getting hurt. But you still wind up adding all the regular characters that you do from the 16, 17 season. Dion Waiters still joins his team. I think you still have James Johnson as roster. Tyler Johnson winds up, however, taking that full uh, 
uh, offer sheet from the Brooklyn Nets, and I think it's a little bit different. It's not quite a full rebuild, but it's still along the same lines there where you realize now you're, you're building towards something different because you've lost Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, of course, winds up developing a second case of blood clots, and his career is basically cut short uh, at that point in time. And you still wind up bringing in Derek Williams, James Johnson, etc., to help complement your new future player in, in Devin Booker. But Devin Booker already having learned from that first year in a way that Justice did not because I, I think now he recognizes he needs to carry this team, and it's a little bit more potent of an offense. Now, alongside Goran Dragic, is it enough to make much of a difference in that season? Probably not. Not to say that I, I think you would have been robbed of some fun moments. As much as we want to rewrite history and look back and say that Dion was this, that, and the other, the truth is that he was very fun to watch in 2016-17. And then the 7-11 combination alongside Goran was fun as hell with game winners, carrying the team back to a 41-41 record. How would it have played out differently? I think Booker would have been healthier throughout the whole season as opposed to how when Dion got hurt and, and wound up breaking his ankle and requiring surgery, that wound up really changing the whole course of that season. Maybe they would have been able to make up the playoffs alongside with, with Dion had he stayed healthy. Instead, he wound up getting hurt, and that never wound up becoming a possibility. They wound up falling just short uh, at 41-41. and 41. But with Devin Booker there, I, I don't know if he was quite ready to be – he wasn't quite ready to be Philly cheese, let's be honest. I mean, again, you can say whatever you want to about Dion, but I think he, he was a, a phenomenal player and was willing to be a star on this team that was lacking any sort of star potential. Uh, I think maybe you had potential in Booker there, but it wouldn't have been enough to manifest in that second season. Not to me, anyway. But 2017, however, would have played out a little differently because I think that's where you start to see different changes taking place in the Miami Heat roster, and I'll talk about that in the next segment. But first, just a reminder that if you're looking for parts for your car or truck, then there's nobody that you should be looking at better than the family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for two decades. That's 20 years of service. That's rockauto.com. You can go to a storefront. You can see if maybe they might have the parts you're looking for on their computers. You'll have to find it in their warehouse. Why bother going through all that? When you've got access to computers at home or in your pocket on your phone, which means you have access to rockauto.com. It's their easy-to-use website that makes things so much simpler. You can navigate through it freely, find the parts that you're looking for for your car or truck, a few clicks away, and next thing you know, you get the parts delivered directly and safely to your car. No fuss, no questioning, no hassling, no worries about anything. And best of all, you save money because rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So if you're looking for parts for your car or truck, then go to rockauto.com, and when you're done checking out, go to the section that says, how did you hear about us, and write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. With the Locked On Today podcast, host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Revisiting the 2015 draft and what if Miami had selected Devin Booker instead of Justice Winslow? A lot of people still think about that possibility. And look, the trajectories are different. Let's be honest. I, I 
have maintained this for a long time in watching this league. It's never any one answer as to why a player develops in a certain way. But to me, one of the biggest necessities in order to maximize a player early on is fit. You have to have the right place to be in in order to maximize your talents. Booker, as a one-dimensional scorer coming out of Kentucky, would have had a different role in Miami than he would have had in Phoenix. The expectations would have been for him to be an ignitable scorer off the bench. He would have been that microwave guy, the guy who can come in there and provide instant offense. Maybe you would have been more willing to slate him into a six-man role if not for the departure of Dwayne Wade in 2016. But already in that one season in Miami, I think we would have seen a more well-rounded game than what than what we've seen from Phoenix so far with Devin Booker. I mean, as a playmaker, I think you could still take another level. But as a defender... I think he would have continued to improve over the course of his career, certainly in Miami, and I think certainly going up against some of the other players that he's played against or would have played against had he been drafted in Miami in 2015. So let's look at the 2017 season. 2016-17 plays out just as it actually did, 41-41. and Dwayne, now in Chicago, of course, gets bought out by the Bulls, winds up joining the Cleveland Cavaliers. We all know how that played out. But 2017 free agency is different, where Booker – as a promising scorer and a future building block of this franchise, I'm making a case that Gordon Hayward winds up joining this team. Instead of playing with his college coach in Boston, instead of going to uh, Utah, I think he has the potential to still be the man, to still get paid a lot of money, and still, and to wind up joining a team with a different, clearer path. I think the 41-41 and 41 buzz was a lot. It was building towards that offseason where a lot of people were saying, look, Eric Spolster can get the most out of anybody. If he can somehow get the most out of Deion Waiters and James Johnson and Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside and everybody else in that roster, then it's an interesting destination choice. Now it plays out a little differently where you have a much clearer star. I mean, there were still questions in 2016 about Justice Winslow. He was coming off of his second year where he wound up missing most of it because of injury. Uh, you're not sure what you're getting out of Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson wound up developing into that. He was forced into that star role in the 2017-18 season, a role he wasn't quite ready to uh, embrace, or, or you know, he, he just wasn't cut out for that, quite realistically. Uh, in 2017, however, in this scenario, you've got Booker. Hayward says, you know what? I can still carry this team, but I've got a lot more complementary scoring. I've got a veteran in Goran Dragic that can play alongside. Uh, you wind up still adding Kelly Olynyk in free agency as well. I think that's also a realistic possibility. And I think you can also still wind up drafting a promising young player out of Kentucky by the name of Bam Adebayo. So now you've got Gordon Hayward on this roster. Deion Waiters winds up taking more money to go elsewhere. He winds up not getting that four-year, $64 million deal that he winds up getting from Miami. James Johnson comes back because I think he's... I think he was much more of a believer in what Heat culture had done for him than what Dion Waiters uh, believed. I, I think even with the injury, I think he still believed it. Like, I mean, part part of the problem with Dion was always that he was a much bigger believer in himself than anybody else. And I think that still would have been the case in 2017. Coming off of injury, he would bet on himself. He'd get paid by somebody because they did see some potential there from him in the 40-something games that he played with Miami. But in James Johnson's case, I think he would have been able to say, okay, look, I, I see what you're building here. I like this future of this team with Book. Now with this Hayward kid, I can be here. I can play alongside. And basically, 
you've got a starting lineup of Goran Dragic, Devin Booker, Gordon Hayward, Kelly Olynyk, or James Johnson at the four, and maybe Hassan Whiteside at that five spot with Bam Adebayo coming off the bench. That's not a bad lineup to me. I think that's a pretty solid rotation there. And as such, with Booker and Hayward, the team is better. To me, I think one of the big questions here is, remember, in that 2017-18 that season, kind of still floundering a little bit, not quite sure. Dion winds up getting hurt again. He, not, he needs surgery. At this point in time, it winds up becoming much more problematic. Uh, to me, he, you know, I, I'm not quite sure exactly how this scenario would have played out, but I think the team does get significantly better. I think you actually go from an actual record of 44 wins and you wind up improving to about 48, 49 wins. And if that's the case, guess what? This all leads to a big matchup against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round of the playoffs. Of course, late in that 2017-18 season, Dwayne Wade winds up returning here. I think that still takes place because, again, the frustration of joining Chicago, not quite being able to succeed there, then joining Cleveland and seeing that the most grim locker room I have ever seen in my life. So so lacking in energy and excitement, just kind of trudging along, knowing that they were supposed to go towards the NBA Finals. Uh, remember, that was also LeBron's last year in Cleveland to a very difficult time after eight straight trips to the Finals for him, four straight trips for Cleveland. They were just running on empty all season long, and so he still asked to be traded for a second-round pick that never wound up conveying, and he joins Miami, and it's different. Now he comes back humbled. Now he comes back understanding that his role is different. And not only that, but he also comes back to his Brook, a guy who he winds up having another opportunity to continue to develop and mentor, and that's Devin Booker. And Booker, energized after a reunion with his mentor, I think winds up having some bigger moments later on in the playoffs. And I think I think what happens in this scenario is that all of a sudden you have a deeper, well-rounded team with Hayward on this roster and Whiteside on this roster. And I'm, pro I'm projecting that this Heat team in 2017-18 would have wind up beating the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round of the playoffs. I think you wind up having the emotion of Dwayne going up against LeBron for one more, one last battle there. I think Eric Spolstra figures out exactly how to limit Kevin Love, how to take him out of the rotation, how to you know just take LeBron out of play here to, to mitigate him somewhat. You stick this rookie Bam at a bio out on him as a guy who can guard him, James Johnson. James Johnson and his peak, I think, could have done a really good job guarding LeBron in those playoff series, too, at least staying with him for a limited amount of time. If you can come up with a way of limiting Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think he, Eric Spolscher would have done something similarly for LeBron James in 2018. You wind up denying a chance for LeBron to go to a fourth straight finals in Cleveland. It's exciting stuff. And now Miami winds up going a little bit deeper. I'm not sure if they necessarily wind up going all the way to the finals. You still have to go through Toronto, a team that I think now Miami is still capable of beating. Uh, it's just different. It plays out differently. It's, it's it's tough to exactly say that Miami would have gone on a much deeper playoff run, but at the very least, I think they would have been able to knock off the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2018. But now the next season, 2018-19, Dwayne's reunion, his last dance, how does that change? Booker energized with the reunion with his mentor leads to an all-star campaign. He winds up taking... Just a bigger responsibility. Uh, I, I think it's just very, very different. I think they make the playoffs in two th 2019 uh, the way they actually were not able to do during Dwayne's last dance. And one more chance at Dwayne Wade heroics there. 
I, I don't know how far they go in the playoffs with that retool roster around Booker and Hayward, but I think the big question comes in here. Also, let's assume, first and foremost, that Hayward never gets hurt the way he did in Boston. He wound up coming back in two thousand he wound up joining the Celtics, I'm sorry, in two thousand seventeen and getting hurt in their first regular season game. That was that was really difficult to watch, obviously. I mean, with, with Dwayne Wade in his first game in Cleveland, et cetera, and there he gets to be a witness to Hayward's problems first firsthand. I just let's assume he doesn't get hurt here, and I, I guess as things progress there, he is now a complimentary star alongside Devin Booker. I think that the two of them could have been very, very good together because Hayward, a great passer at his position, more of a three, kind of a four. I think he could wind up stretching the floor, drawing fouls a lot. It would have been interesting to see that kind of interplay between those two guys. I think it's a much more complimentary and balanced roster. Now, Dwayne Wade, you know, retires in 2019. And the big question is what happens next? Does Jimmy want to come to Miami? Does he get to see what happens with Dwayne in his last season say, I still want to be part of Miami? Well, how does that work out if you've already got Hayward on the roster? And I think he, maybe he doesn't get featured the way he does. Maybe he chooses not to. It's an interesting question here. I don't know exactly how that happened. Maybe you wind up still pulling the trigger and seeing if you can trade Gordon Hayward in order to get Jimmy Butler. I, I think you still make that trade, right? I, I think you know an uninjured Gordon Hayward who winds up thriving in Miami for a couple seasons. I wonder whether or not Pat Riley is willing to trade all that for a guy like Jimmy Butler, again, coming off of stints in Philadelphia and Minnesota, where he was, well, he didn't exactly have the most positive locker room experience. I'm not exactly sure what happens to this team down the road, but it's an interesting question. Overall, the point stands, though. Devin Booker in Miami, I think, winds up becoming a different, better player than what he is in Phoenix. That while you're given the keys to the car early on, you wind up probably getting into a lot of accidents. And I think that's what we've seen with him during the first few years of his career is that, you know, he had the keys to the car. It was a bad team where you're playing alongside Marquise Chris, uh, you know, older, well, younger P.J. Tucker, uh, Tyson Chandler, you know, on and on and on. There was just a, Alfred Payton. There was just a lot of different players going through Phoenix for the first four years there, first five, six, five years of Booker's career and not achieving a lot of success there in Miami it's a little different. It's about learning how to drive, when to drive, when to accelerate, when to hit the brakes, etc. And I think it goes towards making him a better all-around player. I, I just that's just the reality. In Justice Winslow's case, who knows? You know, he gets drafted by Charlotte. Maybe that winds up being different because he's closer to the Duke area where he wind up thriving in in college. Maybe he, there's not a lot of pressure there. Conversely, you also have to deal with Michael Jordan telling you to, you know, get your ass in shape and, and be a superstar because we we picked you ninth overall and we gave up a lot of draft picks. We did not accept rather a lot of draft picks in order to get you. And so I think that winds up putting some more pressure on Justice. But I think for Devin Booker, uh, he winds up thriving here. Um, I don't know exactly how that plays out with the Jimmy Butler situation. Do they wind up making a run for the finals in 2020 with the Orlando bubble? You know, again, impossible to say for certain. But I like how Booker in Miami winds up transforming into a different player with a much different reputation, not one-dimensional. A guy who can do a little bit more. I think potentially turning into somewhat more of a Chris Middleton type. I mean, maybe not as good a defender as Middleton, but I think a little bit more 
you know, seen with as a, a player with more versatility as just opposed to a guy who can give you 30 off the bench. That seems much more likely. Uh, I don't know. Agree, disagree? I want to hear your takes on it. I like all the potential what-if scenarios here. I've got a few more coming down later on this week. But as always, you can reach out to me uh, using the hashtag AskLOHeat. You can always email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. You can always send me a direct message via Twitter as well. Make sure to please follow the show if you haven't already. And as always, leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show. And thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen to the episode. This is David Ramil signing off for now.